This is the Ezra Podcast. And we're talking Jamal Charlo versus Brian Castano. Number two, the rematch of the fight that, uh, the great fight that happened last year to decide who was undisputed at 154 pounds. Now, you know I don't care about uh, belts. I'm very open, very clear about that. I don't give a damn about belts. I honestly don't give a damn about undisputed. I just care about the guys you beat, the names you beat. Not all undisputed are created equal. Not all bouts are created equal. That's why when it gets like that and there's too many uh, levels to it and needs too much context to really know if it matters or not, that's when I get away from it. I just want to know definitive things. And I know Brian Gastano is a high-level fighter 154, and I know Jamal Charlo is a high-level fighter 154. And I believe that the winner of this will have the rightful claim of being the number one guy at 154 because Jamal Charlo has been the number one guy. He's already had that claim. Now, Castano was there to challenge it, right? He weren't, or, uh, got his way to challenging Charlo. And he, he, they fought to a draw. And a fight that a lot of people felt Castano won. And a, a fight that a lot of people felt Jamal Charlo won. It was pretty split. And it, it comes to a draw. And so now, to me, Brian Castano stakes his claim as a worthy foe, a worthy opponent to Jamal Charlo. And a worthy name to say, I'm in this rematch, I am one of the best 154s in the world. Now, when I saw the, I saw rewatch the first fight, um, I noticed a lot of things. I thought Castano fought a really, really good fight. I think Castano, maybe, maybe he lost this rep now, right? But I think he kind of had the rep of just being like a pressure uh, fighter. He's not just a pressure fighter. He's a very skilled fighter. He's a very skilled boxer. He's a pressure uh, boxer, I guess, because he could do a lot of things. A lot of times we just kind of put people in a box, right? Like we just, in boxing, it's kind of hard too. Cause, you know, it's not like everybody could see everything that's happening in the ring. So sometimes if you can't, uh, spot the differences of what one person is doing in their game you just kind of put it in a box something similar that you've seen but Brian Castano is very good in the ring like he at range his defense is very good he's not a guy that really abandons defense he's a guy that puts everything together um as far as like his movement when he attacks when he's at range the how defensively aware he is he doesn't just attack just to attack it's always in in the right range that he feels um he also like does not smother his work a lot of things times I thought um when I was watching, I was like, I wonder why Jamal didn't hold a lot in this fight, especially when he was against ropes. The reason why he didn't hold is because Brian Castano kept the right distance to where Jamal wasn't able to, like, just lunge and grab a hold because he would be open for big shots. It's it's uh, very skilled, very, um, it's having good, like, a sense of feeling and where you're at in the ring, the way Castano fights. He puts pressure on, like, he put pressure on Jamal against the ropes and like Jamel is stuck in that position because of where Castano is, but where Castano is is not too close either. So he's also able to react, give himself enough room to react when Charlo's doing something. He's also not too close to where he can't see what's going on because sometimes you smother yourself, you're too inside that you can't see what's going on. If you look at Valdez versus Shakur Stevenson, that's a lot of times what Valdez is doing. Is that when he gets to work, he's so close on the inside that he's not able to watch Shakur and to see like, oh, this punch is coming or he's setting up something like this. Castano was able to see all those things. He could see because he's at right distance to where he could still see Charlo's whole body. Now, Jamal Charlo, who has won an amazing run um, at 154 and has become, you know, ter- was started off as a kind of a boxer uh, defensive fighter and then turned into, you know, one of the best finishers in boxing. And you know, really could do everything. And it's all about, to me, like his number one quality is uh, his cardio and his power, how, how they carry throughout the whole fight. He can fight consistently the way he does from the first round all the way to the last round. 
and he and he breaks you apart like that because if you show any if you're fighting him even if you're fighting to his equal right like a high level like way say tony harrison especially in the second fight is fighting to his equal if not like you know a, a slightly above him but as the fight goes on and as tony harrison kind of just slips a little bit jamal's the same so like it, the point where you maybe you're even above him the point where you the slippage right where you slip a little bit jamal charlo it's the exact same, so that distance, that's all he needs. And then the speed and power and all that's the same as it was in the first round. It's too much for guys. It breaks you down. You have to almost fight the perfect fight to beat him. And I thought Castano fought one of his best fights that he could fight in the first fight. Now, people say that he could have worked more. And sure, I'm going to say a few things that he I think he could do to you know, um, increase his chances of winning in this fight. But it, it was pretty much... To me, if I would say, oh, Kassan's going to fight. Someone told me this is the way Kassan's going to fight and he's going to be effective in these spots. I would think, like, damn, that's a, the probably what he's dreaming to do when he gets in the ring with Jamal Charlo. I don't think Jamal Charlo fought to his best. And I think that Jamal Charlo honestly could do a lot more. And in a rematch like this, what I favor is a guy that can kind of make adjustments, right? That is kind of going to, is able at least to bring something new to the ring than what they had in the first fight. I think Jamal Charlo can do that. I think Jamal Charlo, um, in the first fight, kind of settled in a lot of positions that I didn't think he needed to. He settled against the ropes, right? Um, he didn't circle a lot. He didn't work at range enough. And I know a lot of people are saying like they both need to uh, uh, up up their uh, work rate in spots, right? It depends on where they're at. I don't think Charles needs to work more against the ropes when his back's against the ropes. I don't. I think he needs to be more patient there. I think he needs to hit and hold there. I don't think he needs to have his back against the ropes. He should be, a, a, it should be, he absolutely gets trapped. And Castano truly earns Jamal Charles back against the ropes. He shouldn't just fall back in the back ropes and rest there. He needs to keep circling out. He needs to um, really use his feet, his stamina, his cardio to move around the ring. And Charles is capable of doing that. I've seen it in multiple fights where he can move around the ring and stay consistent with it. And then set himself up for big shots at range or jump in and get land big shots inside. But to me, I think that he wants to kind of avoid the, the inside a little bit. I don't think he needs to exchange that. Pick, be picky with your inside shots when you do attack. But I think a lot more wrapping up on the inside. And I think that if you do... Um, look to attack while he's on the inside. Make sure it ends with you wrapping up Castano, right? And even if that's, you know, people say that's like more of a boring fight or a boring strategy to have, that's what you're kind of going to, you you might need in this fight. You might, you need a little bit more tricks in this fight because you're able to do them, right? And you're able to fight in more range. You don't need to fight on the inside like that. So why give it to Castano where he's going to be best at? Now, when Charlo has him at range, he needs to pick up the pace. Now, I, he did have a jab in the fight. It wasn't consistent. Right, it doesn't even need to be a heavy jab. It just needs to stay, keep Castano thinking, and make Castano earn getting in. Because the movement that Castano is gonna have to get in with to get past the jab, whether it's even a nothing jab, is still gonna burn his energy of getting inside. It will still delay him from just walking inside. Sometimes that's what he did in the fight. And if it gets Castano to open up his jab, which I think he kind of has to do in this fight, is open up his jab more to get on the inside. It might give you the spot to land that overhand right over his jab. I think uh, Charlo needs to post with his left hand more, right? He needs to put his left hand out and leave it out there. And the ref's going to, at one point, tell him, like, don't do that. But keep it consistent. If you remember Lennox Lewis versus David Tua, this is kind of like a similar game plan of what he should have in this fight. 
it's okay if this is a boring fight, right? You've already beaten everyone. You've already gave all the excitement. It's okay to have a boring one, right? If he's, you're schooling a guy like Castano and you're going to become undisputed, which people care about. And 154. You don't need to prove anything, really, right? Prove that you have the skills that you can do this to a guy the level of Brian Castano. Right? Sometimes he's got to show your levels above. I think Charlo can do that, honestly, in this fight. I think he has capabilities of really outboxing uh, Castano at range. But it's going to take consistency. It's going to take him being focused the whole fight and him not being temperamental, right? Which isn't always, you know, the easiest thing for Charlo to do is not be temperamental. But not be temperamental. Don't get caught up in exchanges. Don't get caught up when he catches you that you need to get it back. Another thing that he never really challenged uh, Castano anything really besides the one, two. At range especially, right? But I thought that there was body shots available. I thought that he needed to throw shots a little bit more wide and maybe even up the middle with uppercuts, but more wide to challenge that guard. Castano, he never challenged the guard. He kind of just punched straight down the middle. Uh, and, you know, it gets a little bit predictable too. Like, you know, uh, um, when you're just going down in the middle, Castano's never having to worry, worry about anything outside, so he's never has to adjust his guard. He just knows where his guard is going to be and the, the shot's going to be right there where they usually are. Now, I'm saying all this for Charlo. What could Castano do better? I already said, like, he's got to jab his way in. He's definitely got to jab a lot more in. He can't get stuck on the outside, especially in a fight where I think Charlo's going to look to keep him on the outside. I don't think he gets stuck. He's got to jab his way in. He can't get greedy, too, on the inside. Um, he's got to work on the inside, but it can't just be like, I'm just letting everything go because Charlo is explosive. And even if he's um, definitely not. Shouldn't, you know, definitely doesn't want to be the one exchange. He doesn't want to be exchanging on the inside, but he can land something that can really put you out. And I think Castano needs to just be patient on the inside when, when you attack. Okay. But it doesn't need to be like long flurries, right? Take the shots you have, keep them against the row, keep positioning, and then open it up and be a little pickier when you, when, when you, uh, um, when you're going after Charlo, when you have those advantages with him against the ropes, he was very good defensively at range. It's just like I said, he can't stay there too long. I think he needs to challenge Charlo's foot speed a little bit more as far as like when Charlo takes a step back or Charlo moves out of, you know, to get out of position. He needs to really kind of sprint on him and really test Charlo um, how fast and how quick he's thinking with his feet and how quick he could get to the position he needs to be to attack, right? I think he need, he could challenge that a little bit more. Definitely needs to faint when he has Charlo against the ropes uh, a lot more because Charlo has a habit of putting himself, uh, you know, looking to dodge like the first punch to get him out of position. And he has real wide movements with his defense. And sometimes if you faint, he can, he'll jump, uh, you know, he'll, he'll jump and look to duck something and get stuck in a bad position to where you can attack him at that point. So I think I definitely want to see more faints with Charlo against the ropes. Um, let's see what else I had here. You know, he keeps good range of pressure. Those are really all the things that, uh, to me, he needs to do. If my prediction for the fight, I think Charlo outboxes him. I think you could tell that I'm leaning that way. I think Charlo's going to outbox him. I think that everything is going to be at range. I think they can keep Castano at range. I don't believe that'd be a problem because the problem was is that Jamal Charlo was looking too much power at range. He was too selective at range. And I thought that he really could open up and, Maybe even take a little bit off his shots, uh, so that way that his stamina, you know, keep this uh, preserve his, I guess, stamina, which I don't really think Charlo has that problem with, but say his preserve his stamina in the fight to keep Cassano at range and make Cassano really earn that ground, 
right? Make him figure out how to get past the jab and the one-two. And every once in a while, throw something around the guard. You know, Floyd was famous for that, or figuring out, you know, a shot for a fight that was like, uh, especially someone that had a guard like that, that he could figure out a looping right to get around that guard. Get around that guard. Test it. We know your power is effective against Castano. Castano's tough, but you, we know you can hurt him. Test the guard. On the inside, be boring. Be patient. Hold. Get a hold of him. And move around the ring. You should not be settling. You No point should you settle your back against the ropes. For Castano, I think with a fight like him, uh, it's going to look similar to the first one. So if Charlo doesn't make the adjustments, he just gets in the lo- uh, along the same fight. I think Castano... Uh, just adds, you know, more feints, jabs his way in, and you know, st- um, especially because the fights in uh, California, they favor more of like an action uh, style, right? So if he's coming forward and working against ropes, I-, I think that will kind of favor him a lot. And feints, I think if he could faint and get Charlo, you know, frustrated and overreacting to feints and putting him in bad positions, I think that could be really effective for him in this fight. I I'll, I think if Castano wins, it kind of looks exactly like the first one. Um, just little adjustments from him, but I think Jamal Charlo is capable of making big adjustments in these fights, and I think that it's mostly going to be at range. It's mostly going to be boxing. Um, doesn't mean that he couldn't get the stoppage. Like I said, it's just all about you know you got one twos right to keep him off right, and Castano's pretty good defense at range. It's not like you know everything's going to land cleanly on him. But, you know, you loop one shot here and there, you might start uh, being able to sneak stuff past that guard, right? The thing about the high, tight guard like that is there's not really, you know, you're not, a lot of times the guys can't make the the adjustments for something that's a little different, right? They kind of just keep it there and keep it at range because they, they're not looking to, you know, there's certain skills that people have with guards. Some certain guards are better than others. But if you could loop your shot around a guard like Astano, you might be able to catch him. I think that that, um, is a definitely a weapon I think Charlo should use in this fight. But I'm going to take Charlo. I think Charlo's going to become undisputed at 154. Then it'll get interesting, especially with the winner of uh, Spencer Crawford, which rumor, you know, I keep hearing little rumors here and there that that might get announced this weekend. That kind of doesn't make sense to me, I'll be honest with you, to announce it because this, this is a very good fight. But um, I don't know. It's just kind of – this is a random fight in California. I don't know why this fight's in Southern California where I'm from. Uh, it, to me, it's it, it should have been Texas, but I'm guessing that's because Castano didn't want it in Texas. But I just, it, to me, I think you have a tank fight coming up. I think that make more sense to announce uh, the Spencer Crawford fight. But let's see that the, the winner of that moving out to 154 to fight Charlo would be very interesting, uh, especially if it's Spence, who you know trains with Jamal Charlo. That, but you know, good money. C- c- kind of make anyone fight each other. That that's a you know that's the case in boxing. They're all looking for a big payday, and especially Jamal, who hasn't really been able to get those massive paydays. That that might be his first one. I don't think he could turn that down. On the undercard, you got Jerron Ennis versus Castillo Clayton, and uh, I, I I say Castillo Clayton, but whenever I see it, everybody's saying uh, Castillo Clayton. So I don't know Castillo or Castillo, whatever you want to say. I'll say Castillo. I like that. It flows better. Um, Versus Jerron Boots Ennis, who a lot of people think this is going to be the number one guy. This is the guy to, to take the spot once uh, Crawford and Spence leave or maybe even take it from them. Uh, I know a lot of people that would probably favor the Boots Ennis over both of them if they fought, you know, this weekend. They fought this weekend. There would be a lot of people picking Boots Ennis. He has a lot of hype behind him. He has, uh, 
he looks the part, right? They, uh, we're, I was talking a lot about eye tests, and I'm you know not the biggest believer of like pound for pound rankings that are based on eye tests. But if you do an eye test, I mean, and you that's what you base your pound for pound rankings on. It's just like who do you think will win in a fight? I mean, drawn in has to kind of make. I don't know how you you what argument you make that he's not in your top ten. Right, if you're just doing off eye test, that's like mostly what your pound for pound is. It's like you said, if all these guys fought each other, this guy would win. Drawn in is to me like on eye test alone could be a top ten from pound for pound. That's not how I do my pound for pound because I don't really buy into uh, hypothetical matchups. But eye test alone, drawn in is to be my pound for pound. Now, does it, what people want to know is is there any challenge here with Clayton? I don't think a lot of people are familiar with Clayton. I wasn't really familiar with Clayton until I started studying for this fight. Um, it's just going to be on if Clayton's durability can hold up to what Ennis is bringing. Now, Ennis is looking great uh, to this part, but there are certain things, right? He does get hit because he truly believes in his power and speed, so he's going to take chances because he believes that if he's taking chances and you're taking chances, he's probably going to beat you to your spot. And he might be right. He's got great speed, great power, great timing, and great precision. I mean, he's got all the things you're looking for. But he does get hit. And you can't hit him in between shots, especially in between shots. He doesn't take much off his stuff. So he's throwing 100 miles per hour as a pitcher. That's what he's throwing. He's not throwing no change-ups. He's not throwing no curves, no splitters. He's not throwing nothing off-speed. Everything's fastballs. Now, that's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a great thing to throw 100 miles per hour. But if you see it enough and you get used to the speed, then everything's just kind of 100 miles per hour. And I know that that's kind of a, I don't know if that makes sense, but if you see speed enough and you adjust to it, then it, you could kind of get the timing for it, even if it's coming super fast, right? That, that is possible. So I want to know if Ennis can add some off-speed stuff to his game, right? Some in-between work, between the big shots. I also would like to see if uh, Ennis could just outbox someone for 12 rounds. I'm, I'm curious in that. Sometimes you need to see that. That's kind of a, a, a thing that we judge really badly now, I think, on fighters. It's like if they have a performance where they just outbox someone, they don't get the knockout or don't look super flashy or don't look um, extremely dominant. They just outbox a guy. I would like to see Ennis outbox someone. I'd be actually impressed with that. And in this performance, he just outboxes this guy. He doesn't get him out of there. I'm going to be impressed with that. I'm not going to. I think people would kind of like start knocking him a little bit. I wouldn't. I would be impressed with that. I think Clayton's not a bad fighter. Everything I see, he has skills. He has ability. He's not like a, he's not a, a, a cab driver, right? He's not, he's not nothing like that. If Drone Ennis just put a boxing lesson on him. I, to me, I think it would increase my stock on him. It would show me that he, he could have a consistent performance like that. Uh, a, a disciplined performance, uh, a performance that um, that he might need against the top guys. Because to think that, you know, the problem is when you face the top guys, it's like he's blowing guys out the water. Now, a lot of those things are not going to work. Like, there's going to be a point where he's going to have to change his game. He's going to have to show different elements of his game to fight the top guys. I know everything he's showing right now looks like he could beat everybody, but... No, there's a certain level where you're just not that much above everyone. He's not going to be that much above Spence. He's not going to be that much above Crawford. 
you have to show different elements. You would have to show them different looks, right? After second, after the third or fourth round, they would kind of have down what you're doing. Are you able to show them something else? This is what the levels are of going up. Now you have all the abilities, but do you have those? Are you learning those crafts? Uh, you know, are you mastering your craft as you move along? If clean is able to be durable in this fight, he can do some things in there. Okay, he, he, he does work. He does, does put pressure. He can fight going backwards. He's not necessarily great. Any of these things, I, I really doubt. Um, I don't think he has great power. He has some pop, but I don't think he has great power. Uh, he kind of keeps his head in the same spot. Doesn't really level change defensively or offensively. But I've also, you know, it kind of also looks like he could take a shot. So that's where it gets interesting, right? If he's able to take shots and this fight's able to go a little longer, and he's able to kind of stay in it because he is—he does have some speed, right? He does have some ability, and Ennis is kind of, you know, going a little longer than he wants. It, maybe it could get interesting at that point. But maybe Ennis—that just brings Ennis to show a whole new level of his game, and he's able to box and really show a lesson. Uh, Clayton, I think this is a very good matchup. I think it's very interesting. I think it works along with the rankings, the way they're bringing up Ennis to eventually get a title shot. I don't think Dennis is ever going to get uh, Spencer Crawford at 147. Maybe he'll get him at one, one of them at 154. I don't think he gets 147. I don't think he's going to get really any of these top guys at 147, especially like uh, Keith Thurman, Spence, Crawford, Porter retired. Um, maybe Ugas would be the guy that they can kind of set that up for, especially like if Ugas is trying to get right back in the title picture of win over Ennis would be huge for him. I'm going to pick Ennis in this fight. I think that um, he's going to get plenty of opportunities to counter in this fight. I don't think Clayton's a guy that's going to be, uh, you know, too patient. He likes to work. He likes to uh, get his, his game going, too. I think that uh, Clayton likes to stay in range. And uh, Ennis has no problem with that. He's a litzy counter. He's going to land some big shots. I think he will get caught a few times. Uh, Clayton's active. He's not going to be afraid. He's he got some good speed on him. I don't think he has any power to really test Ennis in that way. I'll take um, Clayton's durability to fall apart around the, let's say the eighth to ninth round, and I'll take John Ennis to get the stoppage in this fight. The counter would be the Clayton's is just stays durable. He's able to survive the early storm, and he's able to keep working. And Ennis really kind of second half isn't the same guy that he was in the beginning. That's not always on Lip and S fights, but he was hittable in that fight. So maybe if Clayton's durable enough and works hard enough and lands enough shots and able to kind of keep his work rate going it's able to kind of like start piling on Ennis and Clayton's able to outwork him in the second half to kind of like get a decision that's the way I would see that fight going for Clayton if it could but I'm favoring Ennis of course in a big way in this fight and I just think that it could be very entertaining for what exactly what Clayton the way his offense goes uh there is another card this weekend, um, there's a trailer card. I'm not talking about that, but there's a DAZN card, and there's Gilberto Ramirez fighting. And, you know, he's fighting a European uh, guy that I'm, I'm not 100% familiar with. I saw a few uh, tapes on him. He looked very stiff to me. It looked like if uh, Gilberto Ramirez, who might be in a good spot right now, right, especially with Bavol beating Canelo and Bavol not having a lot of opponents available to him, Gilberto Ramirez, especially with uh, Bavol beating Canelo in front of a bunch of Mexican fans, is a fighter at the weight class from Mexico that might be, um, you know, might be next for Bivol. What might be interesting uh, and able to make a, you know, a decent-sized fight with Bivol versus Gabriel Ramirez. So I think he really needs to look impressive in this performance. And I think that 
his opponent's style, he should really style on him. He should really show a lot of elements of his game. He should look really slick. He should look really effective. And let's see if his, he's got uh, great power at this weight. I, I just don't like to see the, the, the holes in his game at points where he gets stuck against ropes or he shows big defensive lapses. I don't want to see that. I want to see a consistent performance from Gilberto Ramirez. I want him to, you know, make it look like he could be in the ring of Bivol. Be in the ring of Bitter to Bivol. I think he could be in the ring of Joe Smith. I don't, I'm not high on Joe Smith at all. But I just want to see consistency from him. I want to leave excited like, oh, man, if that's what Gilberto Ramirez can do consistently in a fight, if he can not have the lapses against lower competition, maybe a fight with him and Bivol is interesting. So that that's what this this is uh, setting Gilberto Ramirez up for. Uh, you know, this is to basically to say I, I'm here. Uh, if Bavol and Canelo can't get the rematch set up, or it's not going to happen next, I'm willing to step in. That would be a nice payday, I think, for both Bavol and Gilberto Ramirez. I think the storyline's there. So we're gonna see. This is uh this is a big opportunity for him, and he's been at this way. He's been working consistently, so he needs to look. He needs to look peak to me like a peak performance he needs to have a peak performance right now this is his opportunity thank you guys for listening please leave a review i'm, I'm gonna have this on youtube spotify and apple um please leave a review subscribe follow all those good things thank you guys for listening i'll have a post fight to break all these fights down after peace